My soul in sad exile was out on life's sea. So burdened with sin and distress, till I heard, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> repeat of Sunday night. <coughs> try that again. My soul in sad exile was out on life's sea, so burdened with sin and distressed, till I heard a sweet voice saying, make me your choice, and I entered the haven of rest. I'm safe evermore. I yielded myself to his tender embrace. In faith, taking hold of the word, my fetters fell off and I is my Lord. I've anchored my soul in the haven of rest. I'll sail the wide seas no more. The tempest may sweep or the wild stormy deep. In Jesus I'm safe evermore. Oh, come to the Savior, he patiently waits to save by his power divine. Come anchor your soul in the haven of rest and say, my beloved is mine. I've anchored my soul in the haven of rest. I'll sail the wide seas no more. The tempest may sweep or the wild stormy deep in Jesus. I'm safe evermore. Amen. Let's take our Bibles and let's go ahead and turn, let's see, to just Psalm 119. 119 verse 105. We'll go ahead and just prepare as we get over to that passage. But we've been dealing and addressing this issue of... uh, Making decisions, and of course, making decisions is something we all have to do. We're faced with choices every single day. 
And decisions have to be made, obviously, on a regular basis. And there's always a possibility that, well, we just might choose the, the wrong way to go from time to time. You say, well, why is that? Well, because we're human. And as humans, sometimes we make mistakes. Sometimes we make some bad choices even. <clears throat> At times, there are choices we face that, well, don't have an, an exact Bible verse or possibly a chapter in which we can follow. And it's at that moment that we have to claim the promises of God. When there isn't a thus saith the Lord on the issue that doesn't directly address our particular issue, especially, we need to rest upon biblical principle. But not only do we have the Word of God and uh, the biblical principle that is bound in it at our disposal, we also are offered the wisdom of God. According to the book of James, chapter 1, verse 5, the Bible says, if any of you lack wisdom, <clears throat> let him ask of God. Well, you lack wisdom, ask of God. That's pretty simple, isn't it? When it comes to decision-making, we definitely need the wisdom of God. We definitely need the Word of God. And we want the favor of God in our lives as well. And so we have the Word of God in which to turn to, the very biblical principles that will govern and guide our decision-making, but we also are blessed to have the wisdom of God as He uh, expels or gives it to us uh, as needed. <clears throat> Tonight, I just want to kind of present five simple questions that we need to ask ourselves when faced with difficult decisions. Five just simple questions. And again, we've been talking quite a bit about this over the last four or five weeks and uh, just want to kind of either conclude it or get well into the conclusion as we consider this thought tonight. So let's go ahead and have a word of prayer and we'll move along. Father, thank you for <clears throat> these that have gathered tonight for the privilege, the opportunity that we have, Lord, as believers to be a part of your family, Lord, to fellowship and to uh, just strive one with strive together for your glory and your honor or to be able to serve in the, the local church and to be a part of one in which we can grow and we can also be used to help others grow <clears throat> help us lord to be constantly and continually exhorting one another and lifting each other up tonight i pray that you'd fill me with your holy spirit and allow me to be a blessing to this thy people i have nothing to offer them except you give it me and I know, Father, I just pray you'd be with my voice. I pray you'd be with uh, my thought process. May I think clearly. And Lord, may you just bless the people of God and may their ears hear with spiritual ears. And may we truly, Father, be blessed for having been here tonight. And may we be different for having come. <clears throat> now, Lord, we love you. We need you. Do a work in our lives, we pray this evening. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to address and talk about five simple questions now that we need to ask ourselves when facing difficult decisions. Number one, does it violate clear teachings of the Bible? And again, I know uh, you say, well, I already know all that. I know, but when it comes time and it's crunch time and we're in the midst of a crisis or we need to make a, a tough decision or a difficult decision, we need to remember that thought. We need to ask that question. Does it violate clear teaching of the Bible? Sometimes they seem to, we seem to overlook those things. And uh, it's not, we just can't afford to do so. 
Well, Psalm 119, verse 105, you're already there. The Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. We know without a doubt that the word of God is given to us to give us guidance and direction and leadership. We know that the path that we're going to travel, that God's called us to travel, will be well lit if indeed we're following the word of God. Now, so many times we find ourselves in a dark place, maybe because we maybe have possibly have even kind of drifted a little bit from the light, if you will. We need to stay focused on the Word of God. We need to keep our, our eyes and our ears and our, 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 our focus on the, the truths of the Word of God, the principles of the Word of God. Because, the, the, I mean, there are some difficult passages in the Bible. I'm not going to uh, say there aren't, but, you know, some of those require a lot of study, very difficult for sure, but most of the Bible's really not that way. Most of the Bible's pretty basic. It's pretty simple. And the most basic test of any decision is to take an honest look at the Word of God and what it has to say about the subject, about the issue, and to identify the principles that are associated with it and make that decision based on the Word of God. Now, again, God wrote the Word of God for a purpose. We know that He wrote it to reveal His person, He wrote it to reveal His plan. And he also wrote it to reveal his principles. Well, those are the very things we're to run our lives on and guide our lives with. I mean, often I know a lot of people like to make everything in life so complicated. They like to say things like, well, where's it say in the Bible that I have to do this? Or where's it say in the Bible I can't do that? And, and, you know, I want the the thus saith the Lord on it. I want the, the chapter verse and give it to me like that. That's how I want it. Well, you know what? That's impossible. The truth is there are so many issues that you and I are going to face in life, there's no way that God could possibly address every single specific issue in your life, my life, and everybody's life through the ages in one book. It would be so big we'd never even be able to to read it. It would be bigger than the world itself. And so he gives us principles to govern our lives. He gives us principles to govern our decision-making. And boy, we're glad that we have a Bible that we hold in our hand that isn't so complicated and so difficult to understand that we can't apply it to our lives. And you say, well, I think it's extremely difficult. Well, the Bible teaches, turn if you went over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I deviate a little bit here, but I just want to look at this passage because it's important that we, we understand this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Look at verse 13. As I said, there's no doubt that there are some deep issues in the Scriptures. There's there's things you really have to study out. I get it. But there's a lot of things that are pretty basic and fundamental. And yet, here's the truth. Even the difficult things, with God's help, we can overcome and we can understand and apply to our lives. Look what it says in in the book of 1 Corinthians 2, verse 13. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. 1 Corinthians 2, 13 and 14. Again, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. What is he saying? He's saying basically the man who does not have access to the Spirit of God, the man, the woman who does not have the Holy Spirit guiding, directing them and illuminating their, 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 scriptural, their scriptures or the readings that they're, they're reading, the, the, the Word of God that they're trying to understand, they're, they're toast. It's over. It's not going to happen. 
And so when I start to struggle or I get bogged down in the Word of God a little bit, I stop for a moment and I say, hey, Lord, I'm going to need your help. Holy Spirit, you've got to give me some guidance. You've got to illuminate the Scripture. You've got to bring it to life for me. And, and that's, the, that's what we need to do in our lives. I mean, as believers, I mean, we're facing some obstacles. We face decisions every day that sometimes are, are, are major decisions. We've got to be very cautious and careful that we don't run ahead of God. We've got to make sure we get in the Word of God. Make sure that it's not violating a clear teaching of the Bible. And if we don't understand something, we go to God and we say, listen, I need your wisdom and I need your illumination. I need the Holy Spirit to clarify in the Word of God exactly what that means and how it's applied to my situation and my life. <clears throat> how many times have we heard somebody say something like this? They said, well, the Bible's outdated. It's kind of antiquated. It's, it's rather obsolete these days. The truth is that it's just as relevant, it's just as practical as it always has been. That's the wonderful aspect of the Bible. It's the uniqueness of the Word of God is that it's applicable to every age and every age of person even. It's really an amazing book. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It's, it's antiquated. It's, it's outdated. It, it, it's not very practical today. I mean, let's face it, it's a totally different world we live in than it was when the Word of God was written. Oh, yes, it is. But hold on a second. You're still dealing with the same exact makeup. People, I should say, are exactly the same. It doesn't matter. We're still all the exact same. God still created us all. God created the world. God knew exactly what was going to happen when he wrote the word of God. Nothing's taken him by surprise. <clears throat> Notice what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture, all scripture, not just the ones I like. You know, all scripture, even those ones in Leviticus. You know, when he gets into all those names and listing all, do, 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 do. I'm like, wow. You know, <clears throat> like really, I mean, this is the time I want to speed read, you know, but that's when you can't because you can't even pronounce the names. But anyway, so there you are, you know, in the, the scripture, he said all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means God breathed, right? And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. It's profitable. Oh, it's antiquated, it's old, it's outdated. No, it's profitable. It's profitable, notice, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now, it's profitable in that it literally meets every need in my life, it meets every need in your life. It's amazing that we may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto, unto all good works. If there's anything that we are doing good, it's because of the, the, the instruction of the Word of God, it's because of the understanding of the Word of God, and the empowering that we get through the Word of God and the Spirit of God. You notice, he says, it's profitable for doctrine. We said this just the other day in the service. What is right? It says, tells us what's right. For reproof, what is wrong in the Word? He tells us correction. It's it, how to get it right if we are wrong, and instruction, how to stay right once we get right. I mean, this book, the Word of God that we hold in our hand, it's a book that gives us guidance and direction, and it's profitable not just 2,000 years ago. It's profitable today, right where we are. It's profitable for every young person. It's profitable for every old person. It's profitable for me and a good-looking person. Just want to see if you're listening. Some of you are like, 
So we have to strive to find and apply the clear teaching of Scripture to every facet of our lives. So when we're faced with a, possibly a difficult decision or any really, any decision, we ask ourselves the question, does it violate clear teachings of the Bible? Because if it does, then obviously it's, it's not the direction we need to go. Number two, <clears throat> does it violate my body as the temple of the Holy Spirit? Wow, does it violate my body as the temple of the Holy Spirit? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. <clears throat> you, you're going to, as soon as you turn there and you look at it, you go, ah, I already know this. I know this verse. Yeah, I got this one. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. The Apostle Paul, again, writing to the church at Corinth, he says, what? That's a question, right? What? And then he follows it by saying, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? Which ye have of God and you're not your own? See that question mark there? What? What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? Hmm. It's interesting. What does the passage say our bodies are then? They're temples. They're temples according to the passage. And that truth is reinforced throughout the Word of God. In John chapter 14, turn to John chapter 14, verse 16. Again, this particular passage, the, Holy, the, the Lord Jesus Christ is talking about how another comforter will come. Notice what it says in John chapter 14, beginning in verse 16. We're going to read through verse 18. <clears throat> While on earth, Jesus told his disciples, he said, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you, how long? Forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Again, notice this. He said, you're a temple, and you know what's going to dwell in you, what lives inside you? God. It's like, that, it's like that tabernacle out in the wilderness. It's, it's like there's the tabernacle and there's the holy place and then there's the holy of holies and there's the mercy seat and on the mercy seat dwells the presence of God. And you know what? That's no longer needed. It's no longer necessary. We know that the temple veil was rent and as a result of that we have full access to God and, and we can go in and out into his presence. But the truth is he lives in us now and our body is merely a temple. It's a house in which God himself lives. That's an amazing reality. It's an amazing truth that God, the creator of the universe in the person of the Holy Ghost lives inside you. He lives inside me once we put our faith and trust in Christ. Amen. Ephesians 1.13, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom after, excuse me, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. After you believed, after you put your faith in Christ Jesus, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. 
Well, you're, you're a temple. You're a temple. You walk down the street and you're a temple. You lay down at night, you're a temple. You go to the school, you're a temple. And at the store, you're a temple. He says in John 14, 20, at that day ye shall know that I am in my Father and ye in me and I in you. So what does all this mean then? It means that we're living in borrowed property. Again, as he went on in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, what know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God and you're not your own? For you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. These bodies aren't ours anymore. They've been bought with a price. They're His. And as we begin to look around us in the landscape of the, the world in which we live and the, all the decisions that must be made, we need to always remember in our mind and keep it very clear in our hearts, <clears throat> it must not, cannot violate our bodies as the temple of the Holy Spirit. Can't corrupt this body. You got to be so careful. You know, if you borrowed, let me just ask you, if you borrowed your friend's car, if you borrowed your friend's car, you'd probably drive it pretty carefully because the car doesn't really belong to you. You know somebody else bought the vehicle. Somebody else is insuring the vehicle. Somebody else repairs the vehicle. And yet somebody is giving you full use of that vehicle while it's on loan to you. I don't know about you, but I'm going to be real careful. Super careful. We uh, <clears throat> borrowed my sister-in-law's carpet cleaner that's about, I don't know, 40 years old it seems like, and it didn't work anyway. Destroyed our carpet. I hope she's not listening. Well, then again, maybe I hope she is. <laughs> so anyway, we use this thing, and, and, and it's like, it's okay. We've we, we got to get this back, okay, because it's, it's, it's not happening. And so we put it out in the garage, and during Christmas or New Year's, I can't remember, I think it was New Year's, I don't know what happened, but I think I might have accidentally stepped on the, the end. You know how you sweep things up? Well, the plastic broke off. And a little brush fell out. And I'm like, no. I take it in and I'm like, look at this. Look at this thing. It's broken. And Sherry's like, oh, no. We're going to have to buy a new one. And I'm like, what? A new one? This thing's junk. I wouldn't give my worst enemy this to clean their carpets. And I'm looking at this thing and I'm going, oh man, I got to replace that piece or do something. I'm like, wow. So I, I decided, you know, I'm, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go the cheap route. I'm going to glue it all together. <laughs> man, I, had, I got Gorilla Glue now, you know. Man, you got to wet that one side with water and then you put that Gorilla Glue on, you stick it together. Man, I'll tell you what, that thing's holding up pretty good so far, but you can see all kind of yellow all through it. 
It's everywhere. Now, I'm hoping she don't notice it. <laughs> if she don't notice it, I'm never buying another, I'm not buying that piece, you know. That piece is probably worth more than the whole thing. Man, if it works, then I'm okay, right? I mean, isn't that really, you know, I mean, because it wasn't really working anyway. It's like you give me your car to borrow, and then I go to start it, don't start, and you say, by the way, you borrowed it, you got to fix it. It didn't work when you gave it to me, right? I mean, am I thinking right here? I'm hoping somebody agrees with me, because I was taught when you borrow something and it's broken, you replace it. So I don't know, I'm having a real conflict, a conscious conflict We'll see how it turns out. I'm hoping she just gives me a pass on it. But you know what? This body is borrowed. It is not ours. It's his. And again, they, they were created by him and purchased by him. We're simply stewards of this body. So stop and ask yourself, is this really how I should treat God's possession? You know, young people, you're going to have every opportunity in the world, all kind of opportunities as you get older to do things and, and to, to uh, uh, enjoy the world, they'll say, to sow your wild oats and all that good stuff. And the truth is, is somebody might say, here, why don't you drink, take a drink of that. You'll like it. It's good. Well, what is it? Well, it's it's uh, beer. You'll like it. Oh, that, what's that? It's, it's, we, they call it whiskey. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, go ahead. Ask yourself, is this going to, I mean, how's this going to affect the body? It's not mine. It, when I put it in there, it's, it's not mine to put in what I want to put in. I mean, I got to think about this a little bit. I better be careful. I don't want to violate my body because it's the temple of the Holy Ghost. It's not mine to do with this, I please. You get a girlfriend or a boyfriend, all of a sudden, I'm going to do enough my body what I want to do. Wait a second, it's not yours to do with as you please. It's his. Are you going to honor him with your body or aren't you? And that's true in our lives as adults. It's the same exact thing. We've got to make sure that we're very cautious, very careful not to violate our bodies because they are the temple of the Holy Ghost. I want you to think, think about how often in, in our own lives, okay, you think about you, I'll think about me now. How often have we neglected, abused, or misused the body that God's given us? It's really pretty sad when we think about it. And, and, and to realize that the price that he paid for it. You know, we like to think about, well, you know, this, this, you know Christianity's about the heart. It's all about the heart. And you know, it's about the heart, but it's also about the body. You were bought with a price. Not just your spirit, but your body, it says. What you do with your body matters, and what I do with my body matters. And the fact is, we make decisions every day about our bodies, what we eat, what we drink, what we smoke, what we don't, all those things, all that stuff. My wife has a wonderful saying she heard. And I like it. Well, I did like it. I don't like it as much now. She said, it's not what you eat between January and between 
New Year's and Thanksgiving. It's, what, it's not what you eat between Thanksgiving and New Year. It's what you eat between New Year and Thanksgiving that matters the most. Do you hear what I said? Is anybody getting that? Because it took me a while to say it, I know. <laughs> it's not what you eat between Thanksgiving and New Year's. It's what you eat between New Year's and Thanksgiving. That's what matters most. Okay? Now, as of today, I don't like that. I liked it a few days back. It was really good for the last month. But, but you know, what we eat, you know, let's face it, it affects our bodies. We do have to be careful in every aspect of our life. We're making decisions all the time. Again, okay, so, you know, but I'm just saying, the temple's the body. And, and we have to be very cautious. So, as we look at this, and we're going to close this up tonight, but tonight, just these, the first two, I'll give you some more later, but uh, in the next week, but a couple questions we asked concerning facing difficult decisions. What are some things we need to ask? Does it violate clear teaching of the Bible? And number two, does it violate my body as the temple of the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit? Well, that's important. I wonder, have you violated your body lately? Have you done something that you shouldn't do? Are you, are you finding yourselves making bad decisions about the use and how you use your body? I mean, people do crazy stuff, right? I mean, think about it. It wasn't that long ago, right? And again, I don't know. I'm not going to judge the dude because I don't know, you know. I was kind of a daredevil when I was young. I mean, think we all were, right? I mean, you're crazy when you're young, right? Think about that dude that went down in that, that submarine all the way down there. What was it, like 2,000-some feet? And it went... And people were like, he's nuts. Why'd he do that? That was irresponsible. You know, that's, that's how people talked about it. Now, I don't know. I mean, I mean, people go skydiving. That's crazy too, right? I mean, I'm out swimming in the Pacific Ocean at the age of 20 years old going in, before I go in the military. And next thing I know, I'm 100 feet out, 100 yards outside the shore, and I'm drowning. Got caught in one of those... You know, got drug around the ground a little while, you know, met up with a few stingrays down there. I didn't really, but I'm sure I ran over a few. I mean, to tell you, I didn't know which way was up. Just like that, I could have been gone. So, I mean, I, I don't know, but I'm just saying, we have to make decisions. I mean, be careful. The decisions you make matter because it affects the body. Think about it. Don't be a scaredy cat. That's not what I'm saying. Have fun. Enjoy your life, you know, especially young people. I wouldn't go jumping off steps all day long like my kids did. Their knees are going to be bad shape. Bad shape. Give them a few years, they're going to be in bad shape. We learned that, some of us older ones. But anyway, you know, anyway, making decisions. Let's think about those things. What are we using our bodies for? Is it going to bring honor to Christ? Are we utilizing the scriptures as God would have us as we make decisions, or are we making them on our pure mental intellectual scent. Father, we come to you. We thank you for just the simplicity of your word and the opportunity that we've had even tonight just to I spend a little time kind of lighthearted just about uh, this issue. But Lord, the truth is it is a very serious issue and we face decisions every day. Help us, Lord, to make good decisions. God, we need you.
We can't do this alone. Lord, even as we get into your word, we pray that your Holy Spirit would illuminate us so that we could see things the way you see them, that you could bring to light the truths that we need, Father, to make the kind of decisions that will bring glory and honor to you. Lord, we love you now. We desperately need you. We'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand every head.